Mark Clements with 225 Magazine over here at the uh, Guarantee Offices with the one and only Matt Moscona, host of After Further Review on 104.5, 104.9 ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge. Uh, LSU Bama week, so obviously a big week for you guys over here, so I, we appreciate the time uh, yeah, with man. us. Yeah, and I am the one and only. There are literally no other Matt Musconas in the world. Literally? I've, I've looked. I mean, there's um, Muscona, really? <laughs> true, true. I but think I, my family's name was actually uh, Salvaggio when they came over. How did that? And exactly. So I always like to think that somebody was running from somebody. You know what I mean? Gotcha. You change your name gotcha. from Salvaggio to Muscona, it's like, hey, man, son, you were getting away from somebody, you bro. You Muscona to some risky people. Indeed. I think I looked it up, and there's there's a, a little handful of Mark of Mark Clements's. I think uh, Clements a little more a little more common. Samuel Clements too. It's That's a big right. One. It's a big one. And then Mark Twain. So it's kind of like a Mark if you combine the oh, two. Oh, see right? what you just did. How yeah, about that? Did. How about that? So I want to start um, with a couple of big picture questions and. Uh, namely the, the college football playoff rankings that came out this week. And I wanted to see if anything overall surprised you. I mean, number one, with LSU being at number 19, and number two, with Alabama being number two, and Georgia taking the top spot, or if anything else kind of stood out about the rankings. Yeah, I think LSU's probably where they should be. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to have them higher than, than you know, the high teens, and, and shouldn't, quite honestly. Uh, you can't lose to Troy, and you can't lose by 30 to Mississippi State and expect to be higher unless if you're able to cancel those out with good wins. And LSU just doesn't have good wins right now. I mean, the Auburn win is by far the best win that they have. You know, but, but I know people will try to discredit that. And you can also look at Auburn and say, by the end of the year, I mean, that, that may be a four-loss team, so how good of a win really is that? This, this is LSU's chance, is this weekend mm-hmm. with Alabama. You beat Alabama, of course you control your own destiny in the West still. So th- this is their opportunity to, to ascend if they're able to win this week. I mean, I think the other thing, obviously, is Georgia being number one, that and Clemson number four, which I'll come to in a sec. But you know, I, I think I okay. So I hate that the committee releases rankings now. I think it's a stu- it's so stupid because everything is fluid, and this this whole ranking release is essentially a TV window for ESPN. It's their opportunity to put something on TV, fill a window, and create conversation about the playoff. So I understand why they do it, but it does nobody any favors. I mean, the very first year of the playoff in 2014, the very first rankings, there were three teams from the SEC West in in the top four, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Auburn, and none of them made the playoff. So the rankings mean nothing. Like, let's play the next four weeks and five weeks of football and see how everything shakes out. But, yeah, I mean, you see Georgia at number one instead of Alabama. That's going to get a lot of people's attention. But they got a really nice win against Notre Dame. Um, you know, Clemson is going to get a lot of people's attention. But, I, you know, I talked to Heather Dinich on Friday, and, and Heather's the uh, the college football playoff reporter for ESPN. So her job is cover the committee, right. know their their ins and outs and what they're looking at. And she actually predicted Clemson would be number four. And I found it interesting, but her reasoning was you look at their schedule and there's just the, – the Syracuse loss looks bad, but there is no bad team on their schedule mm-hmm. to date. They, everyone they've beaten has a winning record. Everyone they've played has a winning record. They've beaten Auburn, which is a really nice win. And the other teams you'd be considering have, have bad losses. You know, Ohio State has a, a, a blowout loss at home – to to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. so I, I I get it, but man, Mark, you we got five weeks, man. I mean, <laughs> the like watch freaking Iowa, watch Iowa State win out and win the Big Twelve well, and find find their way in this thing. When they first started this, that's not a rankings, prediction, by the way. Don't write that down. <laughs> when they first started releasing these rankings, they said that, well, a lot of it was for 
Which for transparency, are you not you're not buying that? Like to see the transpar the the evolution of the rankings? No, be, because it's just it's irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, be, and sometimes, sometimes you're better off not saying anything because when you open your mouth, you you create even more confusion. And you know this was always the deal with Jeff Long and now Herbie uh, Kirby Hocutt, who's the head of the committee. When you go do do those press conferences or the Sports Center hits immediately after the the rankings are released and you're answering questions there's always going to be a rebuttal to whatever the reason is that you give mm-hmm. for the committee ranking something the way that it is there, there's always a rebuttal because fa- like that's that's what fans do that's what twitter is that's what that's what message boards are it, it's basically just a, a never-ending conversation so i i don't think it does anybody any favors but I, but i said i i get it i mean it's the same reason there's preseason rankings how in the hell can you rank teams that have not played you're just you're you're absolutely get Florida State was number three preseason. They went they're what two and five right yes, now. Yes. They were the number two three team in the country. I mean, it's just. Uh, but I get it. I mean, you're you're trying to create conversation and interest in your brand. Mm-hmm. So I get why they do it. But we we all make way too much of it. Yeah. And looking focusing in on LSU now. If I would have told you preseason that they were six and two going into the bye, I don't think you would have been super surprised. Yeah. I think in hindsight, when you look at where and how the losses came, that part of it is, is a surprise. What's your, I guess, overall assessment of Coach O's first year, the Matt Canada offense coming in, Dave Aranda's second year, and just kind of where this team sits with some really, some really low lows and a couple, yeah. couple good highs, um, just at this point. I don't know that there have been highs yet. I think the, the Auburn win is a not a super duper high, but it's it's an it's a, ni- it's a nice it's a nice win. It is a nice win. Um, but I don't think Auburn's a very good. It's not. They're not a great team, right? And and you can't ignore the fact that you got down twenty to them, and you needed literally the biggest comeback in the history of your stadium in a conference game. Yeah. You know, you you needed DJ Shark to return a punt for a touchdown. You needed Jarrett Stidham to throw it to the other team a couple times. Like you needed to find a kicker, which apparently you didn't have a few weeks you before on now, the roster. Now you got one. Now you got a couple on the roster. <laughs> um, but they did. They made the plays, and you like. Yeah, Auburn had had some brain farts, and I can't believe Gus Malzahn ran it on first down 17 straight times. And those are things that, in hindsight, late in his career, he'll look back and go, man, I was stupid. But he did, and LSU capitalized, so you give them credit. Uh, but overall, man, I I certainly would not have thought you lose by 30 to Mississippi State, and it's never okay to lose to Troy. I'll give them a ton of credit because at that point in the season – you go one of two ways. Mm-hmm. You either pack it up, you face plant, you you basically do what's happened to Florida State right now, or you go the other way. You know, you 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 decide we're going to show a little pride. We're going to try really hard and beat teams that we can beat. Mm-hmm. And they and they've been rewarded. They've won three straight games, and you know they're in a position to play for something meaningful. And I don't think they're going to beat Alabama, but if they do, they have three games where they're going to be favored and a chance to get to Atlanta. So. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, if you're at Ozer now, you can sell to your team, hey, we still have a lot to play for. Uh, but, you know, yes, you know, where's the program? I don't think – I don't think – I don't want to get into the habit. I think fans are doing this way too much. Like, I hear this every week on the radio show after every game. It's like an assessment of the program and where it stands. Weekly. Which is- if you do that weekly, you're going to drive yourself insane because you just – you can't if if you if you had had 
have been so reactionary after the loss to Troy. People were talking buyouts of the coach. Well, now you've won three in a row, and you look stupid <laughs> for doing that. So let's wait till the season ends because if they lose to Bama respectably and win their next three and finish nine and three, I think most people look around and go, man, if they had just shown up against State and Troy, you could have been talking about an 11-1 football team mm-hmm. legitimately in the conversation for the playoff. So maybe there is reason to believe that he's got the arrow pointing in the right direction, which certainly wasn't the case a month ago where people wanted to fire the guy. Right. So, yeah, I'd, ask me again in a month. Yeah, and, and, and again, like you, like you said, and I think if you talked to LSU fans at the start of the year when they're – Still somewhat level-headed and realistic. You would have said nine and three is a is a pretty good year. Yeah, I think in you know in hindsight, whenever the losses actually happen, people start to freak out. You know, especially when it comes to Mississippi State by thirty and Troy, then you start you start freaking out, and and it, yeah. it's a whole different picture. How the nine and three looks right. matters. Um, I'll give you an example. So like Texas, a lot of people are looking at Tom Herman uh, for obvious reasons. Tom Herman's first year at Texas, the win loss record doesn't look great, but if you've watched them. They've played three top ten teams. Two of them have gone to overtime uh, against Oklahoma State and USC, and they played Oklahoma, you know, mm-hmm. toe-to-toe, and Oklahoma needed a rally in the last five minutes of that game to win it. So three of their – they had the season opening loss to Maryland, but three of their four losses were to top ten teams in games where, man, the ball bounces left and said, right, you win. Mm-hmm. So that's a win-loss record where you go, man, what's going on there? But you can look and say, man, they're they're close. You know what I mean? So – to LSU's point, the nine and three, how it looks matters. Like if you would come out of this season and gone, man, lost to Florida, lost to Auburn, lost to Alabama, you go, all right, well, you, you're you're at best the you know the the fifth best team mm-hmm. in your league if you include Georgia as well. You're not close. But if you look to sort of I hate to say this term, but like flukish losses to State and Troy, you go, you know, clean up some things and man, you beat Florida on the road, you beat Auburn. You, just, you lost to Bama, but you beat everybody else. Like, and there's a lot of ter- you know turmoil in the league right now with coaches. You're close. Yeah. So, you know, win even if you lose to Bama, win out in November. I think you can come through the season at nine three and go. Man, they're close. Yeah. But in, on the same note, it's this is the biggest test for Coach O of the year against Alabama. It opens as a 21 point underdog, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on is is the gap that is it a three score gap between Alabama and LSU, and not not only that, but Alabama and I guess Georgia and if LSU is maybe the third best team in the conference is the is the conference that bad overall or are they that good or is it kind of a mixture of both Alabama is that good and the rest of the conference is that bad uh, I, I think Georgia's pretty good but people you know people forget like Georgia was a really good athletic defense last year they returned 10 starters mm-hmm. on defense that was a team that you could look at and say if they get better production from their quarterback, I mean, they took their lumps with Jacob Eason as a true freshman last year. They went seven and five. But man, if Eason gets better, you got Chubb and Michelle back. You got this great defense. Like that could work. Nobody could have predicted Eason gets hurt in the first game, and here comes Jake Fromm, another freshman. He plays great, but it's happened. So mm-hmm. good for them. But Alabama is that much better than everybody because they recruit better than everybody. They got better coaches than everybody, and they just they win. They're better. They're better than everybody. What's concerning is you look around the rest of the conference. And when the SEC was in its heyday and you had Florida and LSU and Alabama and Auburn all volleying national championships during that run of seven straight, you had Tennessee who wasn't that far removed from you know winning a title in 98 and being this close to playing for another one in 01. Mm-hmm. You had Georgia with Mark Rick who always felt like they were knocking on the door. I mean, half the league, you had Bobby Petrino at Arkansas. 
you know, they're a top five team. Um, you know, you looked at that at the at the conference and you went, God, like it was so deep. The yeah. coaches were you had you had half a dozen coaches, Steve Spurrier at South Carolina winning eleven games. Now Gary Pinkle at Missouri is there winning his coach. What was he, the the ninth best coach in the league? Right, you know? right. It's like now Barry Odom, Ed Ogeron, Butch Jones. Is Mar- Kevin Sumlin's about to get fired? Jim McElwain's already fired? Is is Mark Stoops in the top half of the league? Is Dan Mullen the second best coach in the? I was, I was about to a ask guy with a is- with a career losing record in the SEC is he the second best coach in the conference? I was right? going to ask that like, question to you, but that's the point. You've in this in this sort of chasing your tail feel in the league with everybody trying to catch Nick Saban in, in Alabama. The league is imploded. It's self-destructed because really good coaches have been run out for winning nine and ten games because they couldn't win eleven or twelve every year, and it's 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 devastated the league. And mm-hmm. you just got for for the conference's sake, the next round of the coaching carousel: Tennessee, Texas A and M, Florida. If Mullen leaves Mississippi State, all these places where they're going to have new coach, they've got to hit. They've got to hit on these these coaching hires. Yeah. So let's look at the LSU-Alabama game in particular. And obviously LSU's <laughs> overmatched in just about every every aspect of this game on paper. So what is, if you're LSU, what has to be your blueprint on Saturday to come out of there with with a win? Obviously a lot has to go right, but what is your what is your blueprint for that game? I think for as much as, as the game plan against Alabama was criticized, I understand what Les Miles always tried to do. Mm-hmm. You knew your strength was great defense and running the game and running the ball. So while you couldn't run the way LSU ran against Alabama, or, or tried to anyway, just 10 in the box, run against a brick wall, move bodies, what they did successfully was, in the games in Baton Rouge anyway, play a little ball control, shrink the game, play great defense, keep it close, and give yourself a chance. You know, if one of those flute plays happen, or if you, you get a, a fortuitous bounce, if you get Eric Reed's interception mm-hmm. at the goal line, if you get the muffed punt in 2012 when it looked like maybe Alabama was about to pull away and all of a sudden LSU's got a short field, when you get those plays, you're just a score away from being tied in the lead. Mm -hmm. So I think, to your question, LSU needs to do – you need to go play spectacular defense and then shorten the game by running the football. Danny Etling is not going to beat Alabama. Danny Etling couldn't pick apart Troy, okay? Danny Etling can't five and seven step drop a Sunbelt school. He's not doing that in Bryant Denny Stadium against that defense. Like, Danny Etling is not coming out of that game with a 22 of 28 for 275 and two scores type day. Like, I'll bet my life on it. It's not <laughs> happening. Right. I mean, this 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 offense last year with Danny Etling at the helm, and remember, Ed Ogeron had taken over, and they were setting records against Missouri and Ole Miss mm-hmm. and all that. They scored no points Goose egg. in Baton Rouge. Now you're taking that quarterback to Tuscaloosa. Like The one thing that, that gives LSU a chance is the unknown of Matt Canada. Because LSU offensively is going to – I don't know if it'll work, but they're going to try to do something different than put 10 in the box and run run right into a brick wall. They're going to try to do something different. 
Will the motions and the jet sweeps work? Can they bust a 70-yarder like Gage did against Auburn? Mm-hmm. Maybe. And, and if they get a couple of busted plays, defense plays great, maybe they're in a game in the fourth quarter and they can have a play go their way. I mean, that, that led right into my next question is, is the Matt Canada offense. And we've seen kind of a mixed bag from results-wise, at least, and of his offense. I think, granted, against a bad defense, I thought Ole Miss was probably the best game that he's called so far this year. Oh, and, by a mile. Yeah. yeah. Do you – I mean, is that – Overall approach, I guess like you said, we'll yet to see if it'll work, but just before the game, do you, is that overall approach of a little more spread out, a little more, a lot of options, whether it's gauge on the jet sweeps or giving the ball to Geis and having Geis and Williams in the backfield together or a lot of different options as opposed to the lineup in an eye and run down your throat. Is this, is this approach yeah. give you more confidence in what could possibly be you know an outcome for LSU? Well, look, I would say look at, the, look at what has worked against Alabama. Okay, You've typically had – Really athletic quarterbacks that can create. If it was Deshaun Watson, even when Trevor Knight was at Oklahoma, people forget about that game, the Sugar Bowl in 2014. You look at like Steven Garcia back in 2010 for South Carolina. And you've had big time receivers that could make, that could win one on one matchups with Alabama secondary. If it was an Alshon Jeffrey, even Ruben Randall, people forget that 2010 yeah. game in Baton Rouge, Ruben Randall had a 75 yard catch and run in that ballgame. You know, if you can win those one-on-ones, that's your other your other option. I don't think LSU has that receiver on this team right now, at least not a guy that they trust. Like, I think athletically, you could put Drake Davis on an island. He could he could make a cut, turn on the afterburners, and if Etling hits him in stride, he's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's tough for anybody to cover. I just don't think they trust him to run the right routes and do what he's supposed to do and catch the ball. And So I don't think we're going to see that. I think you're going to see Russell Gage and DJ Chark and – Derek Dillon, and, and those aren't the types of guys that are going to beat Alabama. So, you know, I, you asked it, you know, does does the does Canada's offense give you hope? I mean, only in the sense that I haven't seen Nick Saban's defense defend it. Right. So let me see if he can. Mm-hmm. But that's not the type of offense that traditionally has given Nick Saban's defense's problems. I think everyone's looking at that Clemson-Pittsburgh game from last year and the Matt Canada offense and, and how that was successful and kind of hoping to channel some of that against against Alabama. And I guess, yeah. like you said, we'll see. Um, flipping sides of the ball, looking at d- the defensive game plan, obviously everyone's going to say just just stop the run, which is a lot easier said than done against, against Alabama. We have seen some great game plans from Dave Aranda, particularly – Alabama last year in the second half against Auburn this year. Um, we've also seen LSU struggle to stop the run at times, giving up some big gashing runs. And you mentioned earlier how the defense has to just keep it close, shorten the game, keep LSU, give them a chance for some play to happen. Are you uh, which, which way do you think this game's going to swing defensively for LSU? Is it going to be one of those struggle to stop the run situations? Or do you think, do you have confidence in Dave Aranda to draw something up to keep the game yeah. relatively in check? Man, I don't care if you're the best defensive coordinator in the world. If you're putting eight or nine at the line of scrimmage and they're getting blown off the ball and giving up five, six, seven yards of carry, there's there's just nothing else you can do. Um, so this is this is a a gut check game for LSU's front seven. The most concerning thing about the Ole Miss game, as lopsided a win as that was for LSU, as fun as it was to watch Darius guys go off and everything, like some kid with a bum wheel from Ole Miss number 22, I don't even know his name, who who couldn't even walk on at Alabama, ran for six yards of carry against LSU. Yeah. Okay, 
So exit that cat, enter Bo Scarborough, Damian Harris, some other dude. I was watching their game against Tennessee. They put this other kid in, in the fourth quarter, and he he would be a compl- – he would be LSU's starter next year after Na- guys. Najee Harris, was that him? Uh, no, it wasn't even him. It no. was some kid, Turner, some war number five. I don't know. Look him up. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. It's like, this is my point. It's like, who the <laughs> hell are you? Why are you good? Why is everybody good? <laughs> They're all good. <laughs> so – Look, this is a. I'll put it. I thought in 2014. I think this front seven to me mirrors 2014. If you remember that year, Ego Ferguson and Freak Johnson left early, and your starting defensive tackles were sophomore Christian Lockature. Your starters, okay? Right. Your first team defensive tackles, sophomore Christian Lockature, true freshman Davin Gotchaw. Those were your start, and that was a front that got massacred by Mississippi State with with Dak Prescott mm-hmm. and Josh Robinson and then went to Auburn and just got creamed there 41 to 7 or whatever it was by the time they got to Bama they'd grown up and that was a game if you remember that went to overtime 13-13 they played really well that day so this team needs Greg Gilmore to have the game of his life Frank Heron it's like dude Christian Lockyer guys y'all been here for 5 years you're you're all 22 23 years old you have got to like you have just got to play the game of your life. You've got to play like a grown man that's been in the SEC for 5 years. And then let Rashard Lawrence and Arden Key, your more physically gifted guys, wreak havoc. Mm-hmm. Let Devin White fly around and make a dozen tackles. Um, you know, the guy who was the guy defensively for LSU last year in this game was Dwayne Thomas. Let's see who's going to fill that role. Maybe a, a guy, you know, on the slot that that can uh, come off the edge and blitz and you know who's going to be that guy on this team? Um, I, LSU's got the talent defensively, and if if you know if there's if there's a reason that that I think defensively LSU matches up well, LSU has the personnel in the secondary to play man coverage on the outside, to say okay, I think we can cover one on one on the outside and win those matchups, and stop the run with numbers and make make Jalen Hurts beat us throwing the. That's what they did last year. They did it beautifully. Yeah. Now you also had Tre'Davious White. And you had Jamal Adams, and you had Davin Gottschall. You had you had much better talent right. last year than you do this year. But that's that was the plan last year. It worked. Let's see if they can do it again. So if they're, I'm, I'm just trying to let's see if we can end it or uh, wrap it up a little bit on <laughs> on a positive spin. If there's a reason to feel they're like, not playing Alabama this week, <laughs> is that the positive spin? <laughs> I wish uh, they get to play. They get to play Kentucky instead of Alabama. Let's say not 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 Troy again though. Yeah. Um, if there's a reason to be optimistic, if there was ever a week with this LSU team to be optimistic, you have Darius guys coming off his best game, probably as healthy as he's been. Same story with Arden Key, probably his best game, the most healthy he's been. Rashard Lawrence can rest his his injuries. Frank Heron's coming back into the mix. If there was, a, you're on a three game winning streak as a team. If there was a time to play Alabama and feel good about yourself entering the game. It has to be this week. I mean, this is as good as they can feel entering the game. All you know, considering what happened a month ago and where they sat a month ago. I agree that this there's not there has not been a point in the season where LSU has been better equipped to take on this challenge than mm-hmm. now. For the reasons you mentioned, that they're even remember you can say what about the beginning of the season? Well, you have they had injuries in fall camp, but if you remember the BYU game, they had like twelve guys suspended for right. that game, so you were significantly low on numbers. So now a lot of the freshmen who you've counted on are more veteran. They've kind of been through some wars. You are healthier. Um, and, you know, 
you had two weeks to try to scheme up to to attack that defense. So I I I don't know if it'll work. I don't think it will. And the other thing, you know, if you want to bring the conversation full circle, there's been a couple of times this year where Alabama has kind of, Nick Saban has sort of fabricated motivation. If you remember the before the Ole Miss game, when he said, "There's no greater," I think he said, "insult than someone thinking they have your number." They beat Ole Miss sixty-six to three. Yeah. Uh, when they went to Vanderbilt, and there was that that kid from Vanderbilt, the offensive line was like, trash. "We we want Bama. We're ready." It was like a hundred to nothing at halftime. I mean, I think I think Vanderbilt had fifty yards, maybe seventy yards of offense in the game. It was, it was an abomination. Yeah. Well, now the Nick Tater gets to say, "Hey, look, the playoffs got you ranked second. You ain't done nothing. What you gonna, you know?" Right. It, rat th- poison. There you go. <laughs> he actually didn't. He didn't get the rat poison. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was hoping that maybe he would have gotten the rat poison, but he didn't. He they gave they they spoon fed his team motivation this week, <laughs> and then you've got Devin White saying we're little brother, and you had Darius Geis in the off season saying, you know, we think they're scared of us, yeah. like. They don't forget that stuff. Nick knows how to use all of that as motivation, and he will this week. Mm-hmm. And LSU just there. LSU will have to play a perfect game, and they will have to have Alabama make mistakes. Remember a few years back when when Ole Miss won in Tuscaloosa. Ole Miss, Alabama turned it over five times, and Ole Miss even scored a touchdown on some wacky, like twice tipped ball carom. Yeah. Like, Chad Kelly's rolling around, avoiding a sack. He just chucks it, and it gets deflected two or three times. The Ole Miss, I think Adeboyo catches it for Ole Miss and houses it. It's like, that. they needed that to, to hold on and win that game. You know, that's the type of stuff LSU's going to have to have happen. And that's why I'm wondering if this is the game they finally bust out. I mean, we saw so many trick plays from Matt Canada when he was at Pitt, giving left tackles, touchdowns. I'm wondering if this is the game that kind of stuff gets gets busted out and gets better, you know, now, now or never. Maybe. Um, I don't think – I remember when Ed Ogeron was asked about that and um, Ogeron said when Canada brought it up, that, uh, you know, we got this guy uh, named Darius Geis. <laughs> like, let's let's give him the ball or they'll run both of us out of here. You know what I mean? Instead of an offensive lineman. I, well, this will be the first game we get to really see Darius against yeah. Alabama. He hasn't really had his chances in the past. Yeah. Um, and lastly, not not to step on AFR's toes, but can you give us a score prediction, or do you, do you save that? You save that for the for the show? Yeah, I save it for the show. Okay. But I, 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 I think I think we all know the, the direction it's going. I'm, Alabama's going to cover that <laughs> spread mark. I mean, it's just I, oh, you, I know you think they cover. You think it's more, uh, worse than twenty one? You think it's yeah? You think it's ugly? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't know that LSU can score in this game. That's they did. They didn't score in Baton Rouge last year. I mean. If it's twenty-four nothing, which is plausible, then they cover that that number. Yeah. Um, but something else I'll remind you, man, is LSU went to Tuscaloosa in twenty thirteen, and they had Zach Mettenberger and Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham and Jeremy Hill and Vidal Alexander and Gerald Hawkins and all these dudes that are in the NFL now that are studs, and they lost thirty-eight to seventeen. Yeah, I mean. When Alabama decides they're going to put the pedal down, especially in that stadium, LSU two years ago with the Leonard Fournette game, Bama scored 30 in that game. You know, LSU had it close at half. I think LSU might have even had the lead at halftime, maybe a 10-7 to lead at halftime. Or no, Bama kicked a field goal right, right. before half. Yes. But then first, 
first possession of the second half, Brandon Harris throws a pick to Dylan Lee, like right in his gut at the 20-yard line, mm-hmm. and the snowball started. Um, I just – it's so hard. I mean, upsets happen. I mean, Syracuse beat Clemson. Right. You know, LSU won in Alabama in 1993. Yes, upsets happen. But it's it would have to be one of those types of re- remember where you were when type days yeah. for LSU to win. And then um, I, we're recording this on a Wednesday. It won't be published till Thursday. So you, have to, you, you were telling me about some exciting news going on with AFR uh, with the show. So that you can I guess you can tell them now because it ought to be public by the time this, yeah, this comes out. Yeah, it's exciting. We um, you know, the it's been fun watching the show grow. Uh, we launched in 2010, and uh, it's it's just the the way the show has been embraced over eight years has been awesome. Uh, February of 2010 is when we launched. And and, uh, in February of 2016, we picked up an affiliate in New Orleans, 100.3 FM ESPN New Orleans. So um, that was really exciting growth for the show. And then earlier this year, we launched a video simulcast of our show, a digital stream of our show. Our parent company here, Guarantee um, Guarantee Media, made a huge investment into building us a, a TV studio. So we mm-hmm. do the show now from a, a TV studio, and it's and the video stream is broadcast. I mean, I have a video producer, and there's there's graphics and everything you'd see on a, on a, a TV show. Um, and when we, we made that decision to launch, uh, CST contacted us about the possibility of them carrying our show on their their cable platform. And I'm excited to, to say that we've uh, we've inked that deal, and starting Friday of this week, the Friday before the Bama game, uh, AFR will, will also be broadcast on Cox Sports Television. So CST is a great partner, man. They're they're celebrating their 15th year. They've been um, a great television partner for local sports in South Louisiana, really in the Gulf South, but certainly their ties to LSU, to the Saints. You know, when they were formed 15 years ago, they carried the the then Hornets. And that was their, you know, their initial big contract they had. But you know, you forget sometimes because CST and their offices are based out of New Orleans and they do so much programming that's local, you know, in Louisiana. Um, CST is everywhere that Cox is offered. That's in 16 states. So while, yeah, if you're in, in Baton Rouge or New Orleans or any part of Louisiana, really in the Gulf South, and you're in San Diego and you're a Cox cable subscriber, you'll have a chance to watch CST and AFR. Boom. Las Vegas, Phoenix. I mean, it's. It's it's so exciting, man. I'm I'm thrilled to for Jeff Brenner and the, the good people over at, at CST for reaching out to us and uh for their interest in the show mm-hmm. and um really excited for our audience to have just another way to consume AFR. So you know if you're at home from three to six or you want to set your D V R you can do that any day on CST and we'll be there from three to six uh, for is, AFR. See it's pretty face and it was made for radio, but now now he's now he's on C V. Hey man. I like to think that I'm at least a moderately I, – I, I try to break radio stereotypes on the reg, okay? Oh, yeah. So, like, I, I try to stay fit. I'm, I'm regrowing my hair. It looks you know, good, too, uh, th- by the way. Thank you. Looking great. Not as, not as great as your gorgeous flowing locks, <laughs> but your golden locks. But, um, but, but I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm just – more than anything, understanding as the world gr- shrinks, you have to give people – options of how to consume you Mm -hmm. let them consume you how and when and where they want and just being on terrestrial radio isn't good enough anymore so if someone's at their office and they got a flat screen in their office and they don't want to have a you know an am fm radio well stream the audio or stream the video or you got a flat screen in your office man flip on cst and there we are so i'm i'm 
I'm so grateful to CST for their interest and that we're able to make this happen, man. It's going to be great. So you'll be able to find them on CST, 104.5, 104.9, ESPN Baton Rouge, uh, on Twitter, at Matt Moscona, on Facebook. Is that also Matt, Matt Moscona on Facebook? Matt Moscona AFR, yeah. Matt Moscona Facebook, AFR. Yeah. The Whiskey and Wine postgame show, you're going to yeah, have yeah. that Yeah, me up. and Jordy Collada. So as soon as – that's something else. It's just wild how stuff happens, right? So, like, after the – the day of the BYU game, Jordy Collada, who hosts our, our morning show yeah. off the bench, co-host with T-Bob Bear. Jordy calls me. He was in New Orleans doing a remote. He's driving back. He says, hey, man, you want to do, like, a Facebook Live after the, the game? We're like, sure. So he and I are, like – figuring out how to do a dual broadcast Facebook Live like idiots. Hey, can you do two screens? I didn't know I'm it was possible. I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm, it off. I'm well, I Googled it. And so I found <laughs> it. Yeah, okay, there's a way to do it now. And you flip anyway. We do it and we got like eight or nine thousand views. I'm like, that's pretty that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's respectable. And then we did it again. We had fifteen thousand. And then they lost to state and we had thirty thousand. They lost to Troy. We got fifty or like a hundred thousand impressions. That I'm going I'm going, <laughs> oh my God like just goes to show you, man, you you just give people options, man. Let them consume you how and when they want. And um, that's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, as soon as LSU Alabama hits double zeros, if you're on Facebook, go to the 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge Facebook page. There will be. What's going to be on the on the drink menu that night for you? Oh, man. Have you, I, have you decided yet? Is it? I love my bourbons. We, you know, our, our friends at Jameson have been very, very generous and, uh, and stocked me up. So, um They've got. Uh, I'll, I'll probably be sipping on some Jameson, but man, I've you know I've I've uh, got a really nice stash in at the house. What's and, your uh, besides Jameson? What's your, what's your what's yeah? Your, I what's love your, what's your okay. So my my favorite is if you want me to go like you know next High level burp. Okay, so <clears throat> the uh, the Orphan Barrels. Are you familiar with Orphan mm-hmm. Barrels? Okay, so I have a Rhetoric Twenty Two Year, which is just magnificent. Um, that's, that's my, that's my, my favorite, my best, my top of the line I have. I really like whistle pig. So I've got a 12 year and a 10 year whistle pig. Never had whistle pig. Try whistle pig. Okay. It's like the 10, start at the 10 year. It's fantastic. I've got the 10 and the 12. It's, it's probably, it'll probably run you about 80 bucks. You'll have to go to somewhere with a, mm-hmm. a big selection to find it. But whistle pigs, whistle pig old world, 10 years. Fantastic. Um, uh, Jefferson reserve, very small batch is another fond one. I, I love my, uh, my four roses, single barrel. Yeah. Um, all of these people should be paying me for these shout-outs right now. So if you're a representative or distributor of any of them, please contact me. Feel free to send um, over samples. Yes, as well. <laughs> please, please send samples. I will absolutely try them all. Um, there's, there's so, so many. Those, that, yeah, there's, okay. a, there's a handful to get you started. I'm, I'm a Basil Hayden's guy. That's what Basil I'm Hayden's is good. Angels Envy. Yeah. Yes. So Basil Hayden's is is good, but the ones I mentioned would be considered your the the like uh, if you're looking at you know like top shelf, second shelf for it. So Basil Hayden's would be a, a, a notch below some of these, but uh, but I really like Basil Hayden's too. I need, very, I need, very much. I need to pay. I need to pay grade up, up update to get it. To you know what you do? Level. You know what you do? Holidays or birthdays? Just ask people to stock your Good bar. Call. So that's like my birthday in July. I said, just give me. Here's what I like. Just give me bourbon. So See, families a, all just went in and. I'm a beer guy. I, I got sent. Actually, my, my birthday was the 30th. So that yesterday yeah. or two, two days ago. Hey, yeah, have you? Go. You're a day away from Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was actually three minutes away from Nick Saban. Oh, 11, 11.57 p.m. So I was doggone. Your was mom right couldn't there. hold on a little bit more. She didn't know. She didn't want me and Nick Saban on the same on the same me. level. But uh, but no, I got sent some beer from from Charlotte. You know, a, a hop, drop, and roll. It was it was delicious. I'm a, I'm a big beer guy. So that good. Was, that was delicious. See, the problem, Mark, is as you get older, that beer is going to make you fatter. Well, so it's you, already it's already, it's already starting. You're going to have to work. Starting. You're going to have to work hard. I I love beer. I love beer. But I have to to 
to be more selective with my beer consumption. <laughs> uh, so find find things that you like that are maybe a little bit cleaner. Well, there you go. Matt Muscona, the one and only for all your football knowledge and your bourbon knowledge. Uh, thanks for your time, Matt. I appreciate it. My pleasure.